to episode 55 of High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. I am Danny Danko, and this week, Mike Hughes and I will be speaking with Dr. Mitch Earlywine from Normal, and we're going to play a game of Puff or Pass. Plus, we have our Strain of the Fortnite and all your Grog questions answered, so stick around. We're back! It has been a little while, but we are back in the studio doing free weed again, and that feels right. Yeah, absolutely. We had the uh, big panel episode last week from the L.A. Cup, and uh, yeah, that's a pretty epic one. Hour and a half long uh, uh, marathon of grow info there. Yeah, you know, if you got to take a few weeks off from doing the show, it's nice to, to throw something like that at the people. Because that's a, it was a great panel. It was a very extensive, so... I was happy for that. But it's also nice to be back, and uh, we have a ton of, of your questions that need answering. We also have a strain of the Fortnite. We have a lot of great stuff, so we're going to get right to it. But first, we just had a meeting earlier today about our next cup. There's no there's no rest for the weary here. Yeah. No rest for the weedy. Oh. That's nice. <laughs> just that made pretty, that up. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Denver. Denver in April, uh, 420, 421, I believe. Denver Mart. Uh yeah, it's fixing to be a doozy. It is fixing to be a doozy. <laughs> really, we've uh, yeah the tickets, uh, ticket sales, and everything. The expanded location. We have uh, Mac Miller and Slightly Stupid performing at Red Rocks on uh, Saturday night. Uh, some other pretty big shows being planned for the other nights as well. Yeah, we we've been doing this for a while, but there was a conversation today that absolutely blew my mind, and that was. A contingency plan in case there's more than 40,000 people attending this event. I mean, can you even imagine? Yeah, that's a pretty big, uh, a pretty big event. I mean, in, in the marijuana world, you know, we've got like, uh, you know, some free events like uh, Seattle Hemp Fest and Boston Freedom Rally that draw, uh, you know, in those kind of numbers. But uh, for a paid cannabis expo and cup, kind of event to have that i mean you know spanimus does pretty well over in uh, barcelona um you know they have a pretty relaxed laws as well but uh yeah you know it, it's it's getting big and bigger and uh yeah denver with all the rec stores open you know we've we've expanded the categories in the contests so that we have like u.s cup and we've got the medical places uh competing against each other along with the rec places and uh you know, anybody else that wants to enter, basically, because um, U.S. Cup is open to all entrants, basically, you know, until those categories fill up, which they will. So. They will indeed. Yeah. So if you're out there and you've ever just wanted to, to smoke pot legally, this is your opportunity. So go to CannabisCup.com and check out the Denver event that's coming up this April 20th. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll have a great time. I'm also Dan and I gonna... guarantee that your money back if you don't have a good time. And I do believe that Dan will uh, give you your money back. I won't. <laughs> I'm not giving anybody money back. But if you use D A N K O, 
when you check out uh, from CannabisCup.com or you're buying those tickets there, you can get, I believe it's like uh, 10% off of the tickets that you're buying. Ooh. I'll confirm that for sure, but usually we do have that deal. So keep that in mind. And as always, I tell people, you know, get your tickets early. If you're trying to be on the press list, do it early. Don't do it the day or before or the week before the event because we just get so swamped. It's crazy. And uh, same for people that are showing up at the event. If you're coming to get t-shirts and gift bags, Get them right when you come in the door. Don't wait. Don't wait till late Sunday because all that stuff is gone. So get your tickets early and uh, you know get to the airport early, and all those things. Just do them early and you don't have to worry about it. All right, there you go. <laughs> That's a little service announcement from Danny Danko. The early bird gets the worm. Uh, so speaking of cups, we have a new issue. I'm holding it right in my hands now, and it is the 26th cannabis cup issue. It recaps. The, the massive cup that takes place in Amsterdam every year. Yeah, yeah, it's an incredible issue. It's got, uh, you know, all the winners pictured in there. It's got all the information, um, you know, even the controversy, uh, everything, basically. Uh, interview with Soma, who... Wait, what's uh, the controversy? Well, you know, there was like the five gram limit, oh, and that, there was yeah. a protest by Ben Drunkers, mm. and, um, you know, Sensi Seeds... Um, you know, there was like somewhat of an uproar at their um, yeah. at their seminar, and you know, I mean, you know, we're activists; we 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 fight back. So um, there was some of that, and you know, that was just a part of everything. And you know, the crackdown that's going on over there a little bit. Wild things are getting you know easier for us over here. Um, you know, they seem to be cracking down a bit over there. So that's uh, some unfortunate news from over there but of course you know we've got all the best bud and best hash and all uh, concentrates and everything that were smoked over there and that won prizes and awards so um that's exciting coverage of all the music and the expo and uh um yeah interview interview with chiba Chews, people from behind chiba Chews, juicy j hip-hop artists so uh, tons of great information, great grow information, too. Good article by Eric Bixa on growing monster plants. Um, great stuff from Nico about seeds and clones and which one is best for you. So, yeah, all in all, a great uh, April 2014 issue of High Times Magazine. Indeed, and that is on newsstands now, so make sure you pick that up. You, uh, you probably won't regret it. I don't know. Yeah, I wrote um, up some of the strain winners and some of the hash winners in there as well. So, um, you know, just our perceptions of them as we were smoking them and uh, feeling their effects and, and enjoying their aromas and, and such a tough sense. job. So you let me get that right. You you have to smoke weed and then write about how you feel. <laughs> it sounds pretty good. Yeah, and how it smells and how it tastes oh, and okay. yeah. you know all, all, right. the, all the all the pertinent details, I guess, of uh, that particular variety. Well played, sir. That's all I could say. You are living your life right, and I think people will agree with me. Uh, just one last little thing to get to before we jump into this episode for real. We live in a state that it's sort of a middle ground state. I mean, it's not Washington or Colorado or even California or Massachusetts, which just announced the first 20 dispensaries, but it's also not Oklahoma or Texas. So in New York, uh, we don't have medical. They're working on that with the governor. But a poll just came out saying that 88% of New York voters support medical pot and a majority, that's a 57% of New Yorkers support recreational legalization. And I think that's great, man. I mean, what do you think the chances are that something like that goes through here? 
Yeah, you know, I just saw something today as well about two Republican uh, state senators who are willing to vote for the medical bill here in New York, which which is a game changer for us. We're not allowed to vote here. Um, We're part of the states that do not have referendums that uh, people can vote on, like question number three or you know, Prop 215, we, we, we don't have that. We don't have that ability. We Everything, all our legislation has to come through our legislators. And they're, all, all, as always, so far behind the people as far as what they're willing to stand up for. In particular, medical marijuana has been a tough subject for them. But, uh, you know, it passes every year in the, in, in the uh, Assembly and it makes its way to the Senate and it doesn't ever get to the governor. And, you know, I think we do have a governor who would sign it if it made its way to him and... And there's just a couple of those Republican senators standing in the way. Here's two of them who said we're not standing in the way any longer. So there may be an end to this impasse and New York could pass, you know, medical very quickly. I know the governor talked about a very, very, very strict bill that, um, you know, was written. Have we discussed that at all on here? There's one, there's an element yeah. of that bill that drives me nuts. And Is that's it the that hospital the, thing? Or? Well, it's that the, the pot would be supplied by confiscated weed from the city. That's so because crazy. no one can grow it, Cuomo's plan yeah. is to supply patients with weed that has been confiscated by police from other people. I mean, that's bananas, yeah, right? Yeah, it's totally crazy. And, I, you know, it was written so long ago, they had no concept at that time, I think, that, uh, you know, you could grow these big warehouse grows or, or these large greenhouse grows and provide, uh, you know, medicine for people that you're not pulling out of, like, the black market or... Um, perpetuating that whole scene by relying on, you know, your seizures. That's just, I don't know. Yeah, that's totally bonkers. And I mean, you know, I, the- I've had some weed confiscated from me in New York before, and I, I don't think it should be going to pot patients. It was pretty dirty stuff. And No, uh, and the whole, the, the whole system is, is, is messed up. The, that's just, he proposed it because he knows it's going to pass eventually, and he wants to get something more strict in there. But the truth is, we need the least strict. And you know, this is the other thing I demand. We talked about this in that panel. It's like just being allowed to grow your own is a very important aspect to all these bills. It's not going to make or break the bill. So having the grow your own thing in there, people will vote for it. They're not afraid of that aspect. So there's no... Do you think that? Because that's an I, interesting one. I feel like I that really, could be a make or break. Yeah, I mean, I, I really do think the, that it's not a make or break thing and that I think having that in there is so important because you just don't you know i I like dispensaries i'm happy that they're doing the growing thing but i really do believe people should be able to grow whatever they want for themselves um you know tax-free if they're producing it for themselves and not selling it so uh that has to be included in any bill even if it's just six plants whatever it is just you know make sure that's there and, and people will vote for for it or legislators will push it through but relying on hospitals or, yeah. you know, these big corporations to grow the pot for us, it's just not going to work out very well for anybody. So, and it's an option, you know, some, some people are going to want to go and, and, you know, go the route of uh, easiest, you know. No, the problem is this already, already feels like a compromise, you know what I mean? Like he's already giving a half measure as the the, right. the program and so... If it gets pared down anymore, it'll be completely ridiculous. But we've we've got to move on. Uh, if you guys have any feelings about this, let us know. I, I want to just mention two more numbers, though, from that same poll uh, for New York State. 
little disappointing in some of this. Um, 52% don't believe in the gateway theory. I would have thought that would have been a lot higher. And the other one is uh, 45% of voters in New York believe that pot and alcohol are equally dangerous. Also would have thought that would have been different. So those are some numbers from New York. Um, but we have a big show with a lot of people that are not from New York. So uh, who do we got coming up next? I believe we will be, we will be talking to Dr. Mitch Earlywine uh, about his new position as chairman of the board of directors of Normal. And uh, yeah, that's our next interview. So stick around for that. All right, here's the deal. You want to grow your own, but you don't know where to start. Okay, you could like practice for a long time and try to figure it out, uh, hit or miss, uh, trial and error, all that. Or right now, you can buy a bloom box from BC Northern Lights and have everything at your fingertips. Lights, uh, automated hydroponic systems, uh, space for your mother plants, a space for clones, a, ni- a nice large flowering area that covers uh, enough room for nine plants of flowering all the time. So this is a perpetual system that they have going. Uh, Touchscreen, everything incredible stuff from BC Northern Lights. They have other boxes you can buy as well. Uh, producer, the roommate, tons of different options for you. Uh, check them out. We love them. They're a great sponsor, great supporter uh, with an incredible product. They've won a ton of stash awards in High Times Magazine. And uh, these things are all made in Vancouver and British Columbia in Canada. You can call them seven days a week, 888-236-1266, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., and uh, check them out at bcnorthernlights.com. If you mention the Free Weed podcast or that you heard about them through us, I believe you get six months of free nutrients with the purchase of a grow box. So check them out, BC Northern Lights. Thanks for the support. Grow your own. All right, we are back, and uh, we have the privilege of having Dr. Mitch Earlywine on the show. Welcome, Dr. Mitch. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely, and congratulations are certainly in order. Um, Dr. Mitch was voted as the chairman of the board of directors of Normal, so congratulations on that. Oh, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, excellent. Um so you are a PhD uh, professor of psychology at SUNY Albany. Um, I guess uh, how, how does how did you get interested in uh, in cannabis? Oh, it's interesting. I had been an alcohol researcher since the late '80s and started teaching a big class on drugs and human behavior when I was still at University of Southern California. Uh, I went in there thinking I'll tell them everything about alcohol and they'll be totally riveted and interested and of course none of them really care because they were all interested in marijuana. I went through that literature and it inspired me to uh, write the book Understanding Marijuana published by Oxford University Press. I got the book all out to them and then they were suddenly more interested in ecstasy. So it's kind of hard to keep up with the kids but I certainly <laughs> became an expert in one domain. Yeah, absolutely. You also uh, you wrote The Parent's Guide to Marijuana and that's... Uh that was in 2008? Yeah, I had a delightful time with that. Michael Kennedy at at, uh, Trans High took me out for a nice lunch, and we all talked about uh, what we thought should go in there, and uh, I drafted that and had a really good time with it. We've got some nice illustrations in there, and uh, the book's books a real delight, and I think the topic is uh, pretty trendy and helpful, especially now. And are you a parent yourself? Indeed. My daughters are 12 and 9, and they're... uh, 
pretty active in gymnastics and they're good at their schools, but uh, when Maya, my youngest, was in third grade, she wanted to write a persuasive essay on medical marijuana and the teacher asked her not to, so I thought that was kind of cute. <laughs> wow. Uh, also, uh, you also write a column in High Times Magazine every month called Ask Dr. Mitch, and uh, I know you get a lot of interesting questions, and uh, we end up actually sharing questions because you'll, you'll occasionally get the grow question and I'll occasionally get the... Uh, uh, the question that's more appropriate for you. Um, what's a question that you, you seem to be asked most often lately? Uh, it's funny because as uh, legalization laws are changing, folks seem to be more interested in some of the historic parallels with alcohol. So I do get some alcohol prohibition questions in an effort to try to you know, draw parallels between how prohibition is getting repealed now and how it was back then. And then I get some real off-the-wall ones lately that are much more uh, pharmacologically informed than I, than I did even a few years ago. So really complicated questions about CBD or various isomers of uh, other cannabinoids, and it really forces me back into that pharmacological literature. And then, of course, I get those grow questions that I have to forward to you. I'm not a grower and don't even pretend to know that stuff, so I, I'm really grateful for your help. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, now, what's your take on... Uh uh, BHO and the dab thing, the whole concentrated uh, cannabis phenomenon that's occurring right now. My student Mallory Laughlin and I have just finished gathering some data on that, and I was a little apprehensive at first. Anytime I see a blowtorch, unless I'm making creme brulee, I'm a little apprehensive. <laughs> the uh, general thrust of our data suggested, though, that people aren't experiencing uh, negative consequences associated with BHO that folks had anticipated, so they're don't seem to be burning themselves or uh, anything outrageous like that. Uh, it seems like a number of folks have a, a sort of first-time use experience where they've uh, ended up with a larger dose than they had anticipated, but that's pretty much easy to intervene on. And then uh, a lot of folks claim that uh, they've developed tolerance a little more rapidly using BHO than they would using flour, but we really don't have any laboratory data to see if that's true or not. All right. Well, uh, this is free weed, and we are speaking with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Um, we we don't have too many doctors on this show. We have a lot of growers and a lot of activists. But we wanted to ask you a couple of specific questions. Um, is marijuana addictive? Well, it's funny because uh, it took literally five thousand years to finally uh, say, yeah, there is a, a slight withdrawal syndrome associated with cannabis, and I, I still really find it kind of laughable when you compare it to things like uh, heroin dependence or even dependence on caffeine. So uh, a group decided there was a, a cannabis withdrawal, and when you look at the symptoms on the list, it's things like loss of appetite or sleep disturbance. And I just find that really kind of insulting to anybody who's experienced, say, withdrawal from the opiates where you're you know, throwing up or vomiting or feeling like you have the flu. So I honestly can't say that cannabis is really dependence-producing. There's a subset of folks depending on whose estimates you look at, between 4 and 9% who say they experience some kind of problems related to it. But again, we're talking about some pretty minor stuff, either fights with family or uh, legal troubles that are really uh, a product of prohibition, not the plant itself. Hmm, interesting. Um, now, how about uh, on the subject of, of, of cancer? Does, can marijuana fight cancer? It's curious because a number of the cannabinoids, including THC, seem to slow tumor growth in the Petri dish. And then part of why it looks like folks who smoke cannabis and only cannabis don't have the respiratory cancers uh, that 
we often see with tobacco seems to be because THC and the cannabinoids uh, encourage cancerous cells to essentially sort of commit a mini suicide and get sloughed off on the lungs, whereas nicotine tends to increase tumor growth and, and of course, uh, tobacco-induced lung cancer is pretty well established. So I, I feel like, uh, you know, just smoking pot is certainly no cure for cancer, but any sort of cancer-related risks associated with, with it are, are not something to be too worried about. And then the potential for the cannabinoids to become novel treatments of other forms of cancer is, is certainly there, at least based on this laboratory data. And of course, it really does seem to enhance people's experience for chemotherapy, which can be pretty aversive and nauseating, whereas cannabis seems to really combat some of that and certainly the uh, notorious improvement in appetite that uh, also <laughs> helps people maintain their weight when they're enduring cancer-related chemotherapy. Yeah, yeah. And and is has there been any kind of information um, recently about uh, marijuana, medical marijuana being used for PTSD, post-traumatic stress? It's interesting because I'm having a lot of trouble publishing a paper on that, but a, a large subset of veterans responded to uh, a survey that I put out, and they said at least for a subset of symptoms, cannabis really does help, especially that kind of re-experiencing sort of nightmarish quality where suddenly you're in a context that is slightly reminiscent of the place where the trauma occurred and you kind of space out, zone out, or somehow feel like you're back in the place where the trauma uh, happened to be perpetrated. And the clincher on this is it may not be the treatment of choice. We've got exposure-based psychological treatments that can be really successful if folks are willing to endure it, but they do seem to at least make day-to-day -day life easier for uh, this subset of folks who responded to my survey. Uh, unfortunately, I'm on my third journal uh, trying to get this published, and I think uh, the community is is pretty resistant. Uh, why do you think that is, that they're uh, resistant? I, I'm, a, I'm afraid the whole notion of uh, PTSD and any kind of pharmacological treatment has been kind of cornered by a subset of the psychiatric community. So they're willing to prescribe certain drugs that, uh, you know, the drug companies make and, and present, um, but we really don't have compelling data suggesting that those are outrageously good or particularly better than cannabis. And I think it's also uh, this wild uh, sort of socioeconomic status uh, sort of racism almost, if you will. So people don't seem to like vets who are willing to use cannabis in the first place. For some reason, that's associated with something that, that you know they think they understand when they really don't. And they're worried about it. Uh, turning into, say, some alcohol-related problems, which are pretty common in PTSD, or other substance abuse problems that are also often covered with a lot of anxiety disorders. And so they just can't open up their minds to the idea that this might actually be therapeutic. Wow. Yeah, it wow. makes sense. That's a sort of a microcosm of the larger problem we've had with medical pot across the country. Um, I wanted to ask you a question. We get this a lot. Um, Smoked marijuana versus vaporized marijuana. Is there a significant risk with smoked pot? So I have two papers out suggesting that uh, folks who are experiencing respiratory symptoms and who are regular cannabis users but not tobacco smokers can benefit. So if you've got tightness or wheezing in your chest or any kind of thing like that, if you do switch to the vaporizer after a month, we're showing uh, improvements in lung function. You know, you blow in that spirometer and it seems like you have more air available in your lungs and things like that. But again, we're talking about some really minor symptoms. We're talking about, you know, hacking cough and and you know, feeling, feeling short of breath when you're running around with your pals. 
So it's not as if cannabis itself is creating these outrageous respiratory symptoms, but if you do want to sidestep them, the vaporizer does seem to work. Hmm. All right. Um, <clears throat> after speaking with uh, your colleague, uh, Mr. Armentado, he was uh, um, informing us just recently that um, you know two years ago there were three marijuana legalization bills uh, up for uh, you know passage. One year ago, there were 10, and now this year, there were 15. Um, what do you see as the prognosis or the next, you know, what, what's happening in the next couple of years in, in this industry? Well, it's intriguing because Colorado has just put out some of their estimates of what their taxes are going to be based on the legalized cannabis market. And I got a feeling every governor in the United States is looking at those numbers and having to contemplate just what's going on here. We're not seeing uh, anybody really experience outrageous negative consequences in the, in the tax and regulate domains yet, and we are seeing literally uh, tens of millions, if not $100 million, getting generated by these same dispensaries. So that's certainly something that's going to give folks pause. When we look at how alcohol prohibition was repealed, it was primarily motivated by economic issues, and so I, I do feel like this is our big chance to open that window, but I don't want to assume this is a fait accompli. I feel like we've got an opportunity now. There's some uh, bills coming up in 2014 and 2016 that I think are going to be critical, and we're really going to have to all you know, bind together, make sure our friends go out and vote, and, and make the best of this opportunity before some you know, right-wing maniacs who think that uh, cannabis is evil suddenly get control and put a damper on this. Wow. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Mitch. If people want to ask questions uh, for your column, is there is there a special place they can do that? Absolutely. My uh, email address for that is 420research at gmail.com. That's the number is 420, the word research, at gmail.com. I'm always delighted to answer personally, and then I'll uh, put them in the column if there's something I haven't addressed before. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much uh, for... Uh, illuminating some of those subjects for us. And congratulations again on becoming the chairman of the board of directors at Normal. And thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for all you guys do. And uh, I'd be delighted to come back sometime if it seems appropriate. Hey guys, you can't have free weed without seeds. And one of the greatest places you can get them is the Gorilla Seed Bank. You go online, it's G-O-R-I-L-L-A-Cannabis-Seeds.co.uk. They just revamped their website. They've got a ton of seeds, basically every seed bank you've ever heard of, all the feminized autoflowering, all the different types, discreet shipping, uh, worldwide delivery, cheapest prices on the internet. And we love them. They support us. They have great customer service. You can check out their website. There's phone numbers you can call. These are people who respond. And you get tons of uh, free stuff from them, too. If you mention Freeweed, they will pop. I do believe they will pop a free pack uh, of seeds in there if you're ordering seeds already from them. So check them out. Gorilla Seed Bank, thank you for the support. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter. And be sure to tell them that High Times presents free weed from Danny Dinko sent you because uh, we do appreciate their support and we want them to know that, uh, you know, we're sending them some business. So thank you to Gorilla Seed Bank and thanks to you guys. All right. Welcome back. Uh, very interesting stuff with Dr. Mitch. And uh, I guess along those same lines, we uh, this 
is the time for Strain of the Fortnite. Yeah. Wait, along what same lines? Well, we put the Strain of the Fortnite up on the web as a uh, medical solution for insomnia. Oh, so, so it's the strain. Think, yeah, and talking about PTSD and talking about problems that people have um, that can be treated with cannabis, I do believe uh, insomnia is one of those ones that people are constantly asking about. So the solution strain for that is lavender from Soma Sacred Seeds. And lavender won... Uh, first place Indica in the 2005 High Times Cannabis Cup, so uh, almost 10 years ago, and yet still a uh, amazing strain. Very mellow, um, violet-colored, indica-dominant kind of strain. Uh, really, really dark purple leaves, sometimes even bordering on on, on black leaves when, it, when it's finished, and these bright orange veins that run throughout. Um, Photographers love the lavender. It's actually spelled L-A-V-E-N-D-E-R. And, uh, yeah, just beautiful. Tastes like plums and pomegranates with, like, nice hashy aftertones. Um, it really makes a great hash as well. When you hit it with a dry toke, you'll, you'll get hints of, like, uh, licorice, like that anise kind of taste that you get from certain strains. Um, as far as growing it, uh, they stretch a little more than your average indica. A lot of some indica dominant strains have like that sativa kind of characteristic. So uh, you may have to go a little longer. It's basically eight to nine weeks, which is, you know, at the high end for something indica dominant. But you'll be happy that you went that long. Um, really perfect for nighttime, like we mentioned, uh, rainy days. Um, not really party weed, not something you want to like break out um, early on and at a party or anything like that. But like I said, medical patients looking for help with insomnia should definitely try lavender for relief in the evenings. Um, the lineage is super skunk crossed with big skunk Korean crossed with an Afghani Hawaiian cross that uh, Soma has had for many years. And like I said, flowering time, eight to nine weeks. If you'd like to know more, check out SomaSacredSeeds.com. Uh, that's the lavender. And like I said, uh, first place indica in 2005 and works really well for insomnia indeed so that's the strain of the fortnight it has been probably two fortnights since you last got a strain of the fortnight but uh if you are interested in learning more about soma definitely check out the interview with him in our april 2014 issue that gets pretty in depth and there's also a video of soma uh, being interviewed on hightimes.com so check that out okay now i want to play a game I want to play a game. <laughs> All right, that was more intense than I intended, but uh, we have a little game, and uh, it's called Puff or Pass, and basically I'm going to throw a couple of things at you, and you were either going to puff on it, which is a good thing, or pass on it, which is you're rejecting it. So uh, what do you say? You ready to play this game? Absolutely. Let's do it. Not that complicated. I think we, we can play at home, too. So... Uh, PGRs, plant growth regulators. Okay, uh, pass. I do not uh, love plant growth regulators for cannabis. I mean, uh, as was mentioned in the panel last week, if you guys listened, um, Kay from Tricom Technologies was talking about, you know, if you're growing poinsettias or something like that where you really need... Uh, Sorry, I got to stop. Is it poinsettias? I've always said poinsettias. Is, uh, is it it is? It is? I've, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> Can we get anyone here to weigh in? What do you guys think? Uh, Danko should say Sidious. 
Poinsettia? Poinsettia. One vote for Poinsettia, one vote for... All right, well, uh, tweet us. Uh, let us know, at Danny Danko, at MyQ's <laughs> underscore. We want to hear from you. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and they, you know, they use uh, PGRs, which are basically plant hormones um, that occur in low concentrations naturally. But if you... You know, if you use more of them, you can you can force plants to do certain things. I just don't think it's a natural process. I don't think it's something you want to add more hormones uh, to a plant that you're going to consume uh, as a medicine or as even a recreational kind of thing. I just don't think they're necessary. I think you can accomplish what you want to accomplish without using them. So I would pass on the PGRs for sure. All right. So puff or pass, foliar feeding. Foliar feeding, I'm puffing on that because uh, particularly, obviously, during the vegetative stage is when I always recommend it. But foliar feeding is great uh, as long as you don't have issues with high, really high humidity or uh, powdery mildew or things like that. As long as, uh, you know, foliar feeding with plain water, you know, isn't really feeding, but it'll it'll rinse the dust off of your leaves and they'll perform better and they'll pull in some of that water as well. Foliar feeding with a nice mild nutrient solution, which I recommend particularly a, uh, a compost tea, an oxygenated compost tea that it just, the plant will take in what it, what it can take in through the leaves, but it'll also just create a barrier around those leaves of uh, protection against pests and, and it just it, it makes sense during the vegetative stage, and plants love it. And then you can come back with plain water and rinse off anything that's like uh, any kind of residue on your leaves. But like I said, during the vegetative stage, plants love it. During flowering, you really want to shy away from it because you don't want water to uh, collect inside your buds and cause any kind of rot. But I'm puffing on uh, on foliar feeding. Puffing on that. Okay, so let's uh, move on. Puff or pass for flushing solutions to help clear out your crop. Yeah, I mean, a number of products are out there for flushing, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pass on using those products. I think plain water is perfectly fine and will give you a better idea of how well you're flushing because if you're testing the water as it's going in and then testing it as it's coming out, you get a really good idea of what you're pulling out and, and what's still left behind. If you're using something like a Clearex or a whatever other product might be out there, um, that's meant to sort of pull things out of your plant. You really don't know uh, what you're pulling out because you're not really able to test the water that's coming out. So I, I would pass on that. I think, you know, it's hard to improve on Mother Nature and plain water is ideal for flushing. And I don't think you need to go with any kind of uh, expensive solutions for that. All right, so we'll pass on that, and uh, we got we got an unusual one here, you know, a little bit of a, an alternative thinking kind of thing, playing music for your plants. You know what? I'm I'll puff on that. You know, I think playing music for your plants is is, is a great thing. I don't think it's going to make or break a harvest or anything like that, but uh, it's as good for your plants as it is for yourself, just to be in that nice environment. I think there's been some side-by-side -side tests that indicate that, you know, the plants, you know, maybe they, they move around a little bit from the, uh, you know, the vibrations in the air or the sound waves or something or who knows. But, you know, it's better than silence or just, <laughs> you know, the noise of a fan or a grow light or a ballast. So, yeah, and then, you know, you're going to be in there working. So if you're in there working and like I always say, if you're in there for long periods of time, get yourself, uh, you know, a good pair of... Uh, 
eyeglasses, you know, uh, like the Method 7s that blocked out all the UV and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, having music in there is great. And, uh, you know, so I'll, yeah, I'll puff on that. Can't hurt. You know? It's like when people ask if they should talk to their plants. Well, at the very least, you're throwing a little CO2 their way. So exactly. go ahead and knock and, yourself out. And, you know, as long as you're taking care of all the major things and not focusing all your energy on DJing, you know, for your plants, you know, yeah. then, uh, right. you know, if it's something you can you can do on the side, it's great. And plants love it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll puff on that. All right. So we got one more here of our first ever game of puff or pass. This one's pretty simple. Cats in the grow room. I'm going to pass on that. You don't want the fur you know, getting everywhere on all the buds, our photographers and our art, you know, director and all all our uh, people at the magazine all hate when there's like a fur, you know, fur and hairs and stuff on the buds because we have these, you know, incredible, you know, macro photos and then there's like just fur and hair. So yeah, I pass on that. Any benefits you would get from having your pet in the grow are minuscule compared to all the fur and pests and things that they could bring in and out of there. Um, so yeah, I would pass on, pass on having the cats and the dogs and in the grow room, but you know, they're, they're great to have in the house outside of the grow room. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm with you. So, uh, no cats. in. I'm the not anti pet is what I'm saying. No, no, <laughs> I'm no. just, just keep them out of the important areas of, you know, your grow space. Absolutely. All right. So no cats in the grow room. Uh, that was puffer pass. Thank you very much. And you know what, uh, since we haven't been in the studio in about a month, We've gotten a lot of questions. They've kind of piled up in the inbox. So let's get through a whole bunch of them right now. It sounds good. I mean, that's ideally like, yeah, what I want to do anyways is like answer the questions for people who actually listen to the show and shout them out. Because some of these, I mean, it's just incredible that people took the time to to write these and, and, and send these wonderful kind words to us about our show. So we want to send that back with uh, answers for your grow questions. Indeed, we do. So uh, if you have a question, you could reach us, uh, email freeweed at hightimes.com. And on Twitter, it's at Danny Danko, at Mike Hughes underscore, hashtag freeweed. Let's start it off with uh, more play days, writes, uh, Dan, about a fortnight ago, I accidentally left a door open on the bloom room. My plants received about five hours of fairly bright light uh, during their dark cycle. The plants are about four weeks into flowering, so my question is, is there anything one can do after an accidental light flood in the short term, or does it just prolong the bloom cycle by some factor of light exposure time? Also, uh, would the five hours of light make a noticeable difference in an eight-week bloom cycle? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, really, issues like that sometimes are strain-specific. Some strains can handle something like that. Uh, they're just a little more sturdy in that way. Some strains just freak out. So you might be in the clear uh, depending on what it is you're growing. And the other thing is, uh, you know, sometimes those the plants just recover and, 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 and are fine. And, you know, a light leak can cause um, problems, but not, it doesn't necessarily always cause an issue. So if you feel like you're in the clear and, you know, maybe your flowering time has increased by a week or two because of it, but you're not getting any kind of male uh, nanners, they call them, or little bananas, um, coming out, you don't see weird behavior from the plant, twisting leaves, uh, flowers starting to grow leaves out of the flowers, weird, strange behavior that would indicate that the stress got to the plants, then you might be in the clear. So, 
I bet I would just take a, a, a wait and see attitude. Just keep giving him 12-12. Make sure not to interrupt uh, that dark cycle at all, and uh, pray for the best. You know, you might you might be able to get away with uh, your your error by just uh, you know maintaining steady practices from here on in. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like just in general, it's good to be hopeful about that stuff. I mean, these plants, they grow in the wilderness. They're pretty hardy. They could survive a lot of things. So yeah, and give they, that a shot. Yeah, they, have, they have a tremendous amount of recovery ability. Uh, and if you treat them well, that just increases, you know, so uh, hopefully you're in the clear. All right. So real quick, we got a follow up here from more play days. Uh, he writes, is it bad karma to smoke weed in front of my mother plants? Sort of like, is this a cannibalistic type <laughs> thing, I guess? Wow. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't think they'd be upset to know that they You're were smoking their children. I don't think they'd be upset to know that they were being put to, to good use. I yeah. don't, you know, I agree. All right. Thanks more play days. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to Hanover fist. And that's with the pH, which makes me think that they probably like fish the band, the band, which you and I disagree greatly on. Well, not greatly. No, we have a pretty intense disagreement. <laughs> Whereas uh, I know that they're awesome and you think maybe not so much. Anyway, uh, Danny, I'm, uh, Dan and Mike, great fan of your work. I have a question about flushing. I grow indoors organic with Fox Farms products and I test my pH and PPM regularly. Uh, fresh, a fresh new Fox Farms Ocean Breeze, I can't believe I just said that, comes in a pH of 6.8 and PPM of 310. My question is on final flush, what PPM should I aim for? Huh. I mean, the PPM you should be aiming for is basically zero, uh, but you're probably not going to reach that. But certainly like 300 or 400 is probably a little high. So, you know, just keep using plain water in those last couple of weeks until the water that's coming out is practically plain water and you should be fine as far as flushing goes. Um, Fox Farms and organic, that ocean breeze, I'm not sure. I know ocean forest, but, the, uh, you know, those are organic formulations, so um, they shouldn't be nearly as tough to flush out as some of the more uh, chemical salts and things that people use with other nutrients. So, um, yeah, just use a lot of plain water in the last couple of weeks, and I think you'll be fine. But as far as parts per million to aim for, it's zero. All right. Thank you, Hanover Fist. We appreciate that question. And moving on to... I, I should also mention, I mean, different people's water has different parts per million. So you really have to kind of just get to where you're at plain water. Right. But I'm assuming that that's why he gave you that, that 310 parts per million for this particular project, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Hanover Fist, that's that. Bradley, he writes, uh, Dear Mike Hughes and Danny, I put Mike's name first because I always lack love. Bradley. Well, I appreciate the thought. Uh, I got another question about cutting in clones. Uh, the best humidity domes, uh, what's the best way to transition from transplanting? Should I take the dome off for a few hours a day? Or are there better ways of transitioning? Let me know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great way of transitioning. Here's, here's the thing. I mean, sometimes when you take the dome off the plant, the, the, the rooted clone will react by drooping. Um, and if you, if you want to avoid that, you can take the clone, uh, take it off, like you said, for a couple of hours a day, and it'll droop a little, and then it'll come back. And then at a certain point, you won't need the dome at all anymore, and you're ready to just transplant into your larger container and start the vegging process. Um, some people, and I've, I've, I've seen this work really well on a larger scale, 
but they may they basically raise the humidity in a whole room when they're doing their clones and they don't even use a dome and that way they can avoid any kind of setbacks that you get when you take the dome off and the plant has to survive on its own without all that humidity around those leaves so i have seen that work on a larger scale but for for people growing less than let's say 50 clones or, or 100 clones i recommend um you know a tray with a dome a clear dome on top plastic tray and a, a heating pad underneath the tray for sure just to um, keep it a little warmer than uh, room temperature because that heat also increases the humidity as well and, and you'll get a lot higher success of your clones rooting if you use that method all right so thank you bradley bradley has another question coming up later but he considers himself our biggest silent fan but silent nice. no more apparently so yeah well thank you i thank appreciate you. it we love our fans man I, it's incredible to me what kind of feedback we get it's pretty awesome and you know, we just love giving you guys free weed. We just we don't read the negative ones, right? There's very few negative well, ones. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's move on. Uh, this has a question about soil mix. Uh, this year I'm growing 30 plants outdoors, I'm starting them indoors and then transplanting to a greenhouse later on. I'm going to use 40 to 60 gallon geopots. I would like to use all organic soil for the grow, but I'd like to know if you guys could help me out with how to create that on a large scale, say per yard or something. And, and he mentioned specifically uh, Subcool's super soil. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, the formula that Sub has for his soil on our website is uh, is great. And you can mix that in, in, in large amounts. I mean, you're, you're talking about really large amounts. I think a kiddie pool is probably too small. You're going to need something bigger than that. Uh some of the people I've seen in Spain, they actually have mixers that look like miniature, uh, you know, cement mixer kind of things that they mix their soil in. Uh, you just want to make sure you have a light, airy soil. You don't want a thick, compact soil because <clears throat> oxygen won't get to your roots. So you really, you you, you know, add, you want to add perlite. Uh, you want to add things that lighten it up. Um, I love green sand as an additive. I love um, guanos like uh, seabird guano and bat guano, um, even though you know that's not a veganic thing that, to use, but um, I do think for flowering plants and for fruiting plants, there's nothing like bat guano in particular. And for vegging, seabird guano works great. So, um, but that's just me. Anyway, uh, yeah, large scale soil. Gosh, um, you know, if you're going that big, I would probably maybe even invest in one of those big mixers, and then you know, start with, you know, your bales of uh, peat and whatever, and uh, and then add the additives you want to add uh, to lighten it up, to loosen it up, to, you know, fortify it with some newts that are going to be great for those first three or four weeks uh, when you're just going to probably end up just using plain water to get the plants going. So, yeah, I mean, I hope that helps. I have a formula out there somewhere um, that's like my soil formula that you can, you can experiment with, but... Uh, yeah, anything you can do to keep it nice and airy and loose. The pots that you're talking about are, are very helpful. You have very large pots, so you are going to have very large plants, and you're going to have issues uh, getting water to those plants. So just make sure that, uh, you know, with that loose, airy soil, you're able to provide those plants with tons of water because in a greenhouse situation, they're going to be just using up lots of water. All right, so we hope that helps. And let's move on to Doug. Now, listen to how terrible Doug's life is. Um, I grow outdoors in Hawaii. <laughs> and I've been requested to grow high CBD strains like catatonic. Well, Doug, that sounds pretty good to us. Um, 
My question is, are any of these high CBD strains stable enough for a backyard grower to work with and be sure the plant has that high CBD ratio? His concern is he doesn't want to give a patient medicine that isn't exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah, well, absolutely. If you go to CBD crew um, out of Spain and, and, you know, everyone, um, it's a, a quick Google search will tell you basically all the high CBD strains that are out there. But there's a bunch that came from Spain. There's a bunch um, now even in the U.S. from various breeders. And, yeah, they are stable. I mean, obviously, you want to go with a reputable breeder. CBD crew is very reputable. Um, I know Subcool has like a high CBD strain. Uh, I think rare dankness. A few people have them uh, available in seed form, uh, which are stable. And you know, the other thing is, after you grow it, get it tested at a lab. Uh, you know, it, it it's not going to cost you that much, but you'll be sure, and you'll be sure that you're giving your patients uh, the proper medicine if what they're looking for is a high CBD uh, strain. So uh, those those two things. I mean, get a high CBD certified seed or clone if you have access to clones. And after you grow it out, have it tested so you know that the CBD is there. And, you know, Harlequin is one of those, uh, Canatonic, um, you know, a bunch of different strains, a lot of them coming from Spain, which is interesting. And, you know, that they those strains seem to come from Morocco. And, you know, the seeds for those strains, and, and it makes you wonder, because Moroccan hash has that kind of like effect. I'd like to um, get some Moroccan hash and test it for CBD just, just to see what, what's, what's going on in there. Okay. <clears throat> that last bit kind of threw me off, but all right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for your question, Doug, and, uh, and good luck with the CBD strains. Uh, Jeff from Ontario has a quick topic suggestion for us. You know, we were asking uh, the listeners to come up with a show topic they wanted us to run with. He thinks we should dedicate a show to uh, odor control, and he thinks that because a lot of growers, he believes, call it quits after they learn just how smelly growing can be and how that could kind of lead to the grow being exposed. Yeah, well, he's absolutely right. And, uh, you know, it's always an issue, uh, particularly for people in like an urban atmosphere, um, like we are here in New York or people in any kind of, uh, you know, environment where they're crowded together. It's really tough because the smell you know, a lot of times you can hide the smell of vegging plants and, you know, maybe even early flowering. But once they're really kicking uh, and then when harvest time comes, I mean, there's just so much odors escaping. Um, so, yeah, that is a good idea. And maybe we will cover that. Uh, there's lots of different ways to deal with odor. You know, obviously, all of the air going out of your grow room has to go through a charcoal filtration system. Uh through with a fan a very strong fan blowing through that charcoal filter you have to maintain the charcoal the activated charcoal in that filter to make sure that it's pulling and scrubbing the air clean of any odor um you know that's the bare minimum then you know you're still going to have issues with odor so it is a great idea for a topic for a show and ways of dealing with uh the overwhelming odor that comes from growing. I feel like a large part of my life just in general is dealing with odor and I don't grow weed. So <laughs> there you go. It's an important topic and we thank you for that, Jeff. Uh, let's move on to our buddy Mac in Scotland. Uh, first of all, he, he really enjoyed the Danko interview back from uh, episode 53. And, yeah, thanks, uh, and we did as well. That was a, that was a good time. Uh, Mac's question is, I'm thinking of employing Screen of Green. 
uh, method to my next grow, but I don't know much about the specifics, like how high should the screen be from the top of the weed? What's the best sort of places to position and attach the branches to the screen? Do you want to just walk through a couple of those basics? Yeah, sure. I mean, basically, screen of green means you have a horizontal screen. A lot of times people will use chicken wire. Uh, sometimes they'll fashion uh, whatever kind of... Uh, thing they can fashion out of string or rope or whatever chicken wire works pretty good in my opinion uh basically you know you take four stakes at each corner of your uh, grow space you attach the chicken wire to it it's good to be able to raise and lower it if you if you can um but basically you want to set the chicken wire at the spot where you want the canopy to basically begin you know because as the plants are growing in their vegetative stage you're basically tucking the branches in under the chicken wire and you're filling out the chicken wire so that uh, branches are in every little hole, basically. I mean, that's the goal. You may not accomplish that entirely, but you're spreading it out so that you have this even canopy and it's level. It's You're tucking, literally pushing the growing shoots underneath the wire so that they fill out uh, you know, each little individual octagon hole in the wire as they grow start growing up and you're constantly tucking them in until you decide to cut the flowering cycle and even then you know you're tucking them for a while until they start forming flowers and you'll see the flowers start forming and they'll all be there just above that chicken wire and even canopy and then really the toughest part i guess after that is harvesting because you kind of have to like work around the wire but as far as the distance you know it's the, it's determined by you and how long you decide to vegetate the plants for, um, it shouldn't be near your grow light. I mean, it certainly should be at least uh, a foot and a half to two feet below the reflector that you're using for your grow light. And it also uh, should basically be high enough that, you know, you're, it's not all the way down close to the uh, top of the pots or whatever it is that you're using to grow in. So. Um, it's a happy medium that you decide upon and the vegging time determines for you really when you're going to switch uh, and start flowering. Once you have all of those holes filled or close to filled, that's when you can turn it to 12-12 and you'll see instead of growing uh, branches and leaves and stuff, the plant will start growing flowers and they'll, they'll all poke up through those holes in the chicken wire. So that's uh, the basics behind the screen of green. It's a different type of trellising system, basically. All right. Well, good luck with that, Mac. And uh, you write in often. Let us know how that goes for you and if you have any other questions that come up along the way. Our next question comes from Lucid Infinity. It's very long, but I'm just going to give you the basics. Um, she was rather touched by our uh, grow room confessional, which we did a few episodes <laughs> back. Um, nice. But basically, uh, she had made this rose water, basically a rose water, you know, rose extract, uh -huh. and was bottling that separately. But then while making hash, started to add the rose water to the hash. And even though her friends liked it, she feels like a sinner because it is adulterated hash. Where do you weigh in on this with the, anything that's added to a hash like that? You know, I think if she likes it and her friends like it, then... They're perfectly happy to do it. I think, excuse me, I think when uh, when you get into the realm of, you know, selling it or uh, distributing it out into the public, that's when you need to be more concerned. But uh, I, I'm against it, to be honest. Like, personally, I wouldn't adulterate hash with other stuff just because I think it stands alone. It doesn't need, need uh, 
any adulteration. And I, I mean, obviously that's, you know, that's a, a loaded word anyway, because really it could be an enhancement in their eyes. And so, uh, I, you know, it's, to me, it's just an artificial thing that you don't have to do. Um, but if she enjoys it, she enjoys it for herself, then, you know, it's fine. But I just wouldn't put it out there as a product in the marketplace. And I wouldn't necessarily want to promote it or do a how-to or a step-by-step in the magazine about doing that sort of thing just because uh, it's, to me it's unnecessary and uh, you know the hash as a product if it's made well stands alone and doesn't need enhancement from alternative sources exactly but, but I do appreciate her support of the show and 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 I would you know I would even take a puff of the hash too just to see you know hey what what's this about I'm not um, so much of a purist that I wouldn't try it and and um, develop my own opinion and then that would probably make it easier for me to answer the question as well because at least I'd know like well, this- interestingly enough she also writes if you're on the fence let me know how to get some to you and I will I'd love <laughs> to vend this someday um, well, don't do that uh, find me at the cup yeah, you find, know, find at- me at the cup yeah, exactly. I'll take a puff you know and uh, I'll give you my honest opinion right there and then <laughs> there you go well thank you Lucid Infinity for writing in and uh, let's go to our last question from Bradley our biggest silent fan, silent no longer, uh, Bradley writes, I uh, always wondered how old Mr. Danko was, but he finally showed his age when he said that when he said they can play movies on the video sporting type machines. <laughs> I don't remember what that was, I but apparently <laughs> you, you aged yourself with the kids. Anyway, quick question for you. You said roots uh, like wet and dry periods. If that's so, why does DWC, uh, deep water culture, work so well when the roots are always pretty wet? What do you think about that? That is a really good question, and I should very much clarify that. Roots in soil mixes or soilless mixes, roots that are suspended in a mix that stays wet for long periods of time like that, those are the type of roots that like wet and dry cycles. Roots that are in a hydroponic system can stay wet because they get tons of oxygen provided to them. And so um, the second half of his question he's talking about, is this why uh, oxygenation is so important in hydroponics? And it is. It's because that's how those roots get oxygen because they're constantly misted, they're constantly moist, but they also constantly get oxygen. And the roots that are in a soil system that are that's totally soaked with water are not getting oxygen at that point. He brings up uh, air stones. Air stones, exactly. You put air stones in the bottom of those buckets and your roots will be able to stay wet because they're they're getting oxygen. But roots that stay wet, that don't get oxygen, quickly rot and die. So uh, in soil, in in a a pot that you're hand watering, you want that to get dried out and then you want to water and then dry it out and water. But in hydroponics, you don't have to do that because the oxygen is constantly getting to the roots through the bubbles that are in the water, through the roots dangling in air and all of that. So, yeah, that's a clarification that's important. And uh, the wet dry thing is for plants that are in a soil mix or cocoa type mix and not so much a hydro plant. All right. Well, good distinction to make there. And we thank Bradley for bringing it to our attention. And we thank all of you for your questions. If you have a question for Dan to answer on the show, get us a free weed at hightimes.com, at Danny Danko, at Mike Hughes underscore, hashtag free weed. <laughs> what do you say we take a little break, come back and put a bow on it? Let's do it. 
All right, so I think we're at that point where we wrap it up with Raw. That's the point that we are at. <laughs> cool. You know what I'm going to do before I wrap it up? I'm going to roll a little Moroccan hash snake into it and then wrap it up. And what do you wrap it up with? Raw papers. Yeah, me too. Put some weed in there. Yeah. Then I put the snake in there. Then I put a little weed on top of the snake so it's not like right up against the paper. Mm. Then I roll it all up and I light it and I smoke it. That's, that's how it ends? You smoke it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Good call, Dan. Good yeah, call. Yeah, man. I'm old school. Yeah, you are. I smoke joints with hash snakes down like the middle. Moroccan hash. Moroccan yeah, hash. It's hard yeah, to yeah. come by in the States. Well, I, I, I find a way. Yeah, because you're, you're Danny Danko. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Shouts to Smuggler. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Shouts to Pussy Riot. We were just Shouts watching... Shouts to Pussy Riot. I love you girls. Yep. You guys are badasses. Punk rock. Real, real brave punk rock. Indeed. And and shouts to the nasty Nassar who uh who likes us both but really likes me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into too much of, of the nice things she said, but thank you for all of them. They were very nice. Yeah. She and... likes it when I take pot shots at you, which <laughs> well, I'll admit it, that's pretty much my favorite thing. Yeah. Anyway, um nice show. We're we're very happy to have Dr. Mitch on. He's a very intelligent guy and we will have him on again um you know when when issues come up that we need a doctor to answer. Yeah, PhD like and THC. Hmm? PhD and THC. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and uh yeah, the puff puffer pass was fun. Um very excited about uh possibly doing a show from Spanibus in Barcelona potentially. That would be good. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, we got that Denver Cup. We got the Denver thing. Yeah, if you guys want to come to that, uh, check out CannabisCup.com. It's going to be a pretty insane event, and you should be there. Yeah, code Danko, code D-A-N-K-O gets you 10% off, I believe, off your tickets. Yeah, so do that. Check us out. Facebook, yeah. Twitter, Instagram, all the usual suspects, Vine, uh, Snapchat. No. Oh, I forgot to... No, don't check us out on Snapchat. It's like... No. It's all topless Danko. It's very unpleasant. So much hair. Um, I wanted to say, because it's been a while since we've been on the air, but since I whined about not having enough Twitter followers, you guys really came through and bumped me up. So I have 430-something, which means I am, what, 32,000 away from you now? I'm getting there. I'm yeah, building most, it up. Most of mine are bots, though, I think. They're, they're like... They're like bots i think you're a bot <laughs> you're like a, a grow bot grow bot yeah oh, that's kind of interesting all right yeah. so is this the rap still i don't know what's happening <laughs> anymore i feel like episode 55 yeah put her in the books 